0: So let me ask this question. Is you is or is you ain't the mark of the beast? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Now, let me be very clear up front, just so there's no misunderstanding. I I may have sounded a bit flippant in the way that I'm asking that question. And I want to address that on the program today at some point. There's a video that came out where the vaccine that is currently out there or these vaccines are being compared to, these must be, these must be the mark of the beast. And this video, I'm not gonna mention where it came from, but somebody, good friend of mine, forwarded this video to me and I watched it in its entirety. It's about a half hour the other night. It's one of the few that I decided before bedtime to view. And I had a very disturbing night's sleep. And I really feel strongly that I I need to address this topic or at least begin to address that particular topic today. Because there are a lot of people that are concerned, they're worried, they're insecure. Have they made some fatal, eternal mistake? this particular video shared, I'll say this much, a number of, let's say, well-known church figures, and I use that term in a very loose way, very famous individuals, some with big mega churches and the light shows and the skinny jeans and, and everything that goes with it in the praise band, who dismissed the idea that the vaccine is the mark of the beast. Others who you'd think would be jumping on board, well, they're they're not so much jumping on board. And then others are being quoted as individuals who are now supposedly the authority that this is the mark of the beast. And I'll get into that topic in just a little bit. And I hope that you'll stay tuned for it. I know that some of you have deep concerns. Some of you have an opinion one way or the other, and today, maybe into tomorrow and into next week, we're gonna take a little time each day to do something, instead of speculating, instead of just cherry-picking a verse here and a verse there, why don't we get into what God's word has to say? And let's get rid of all the speculation and everything else that goes along with it and get into what God's word has to say. Listen, I really appreciate those that are trying to edify and educate the body of Christ. And I'm not saying I'm a great authority. I know a lot of Bible scholars, far more years of study in seminary than I have. I get it. But I also understand that God does not require from his children a theological degree in order to discern his will and what his word has to say. And I'll just leave it at that for now. We'll get into that topic in a little bit. It's come to me several times from several different fronts. And I just feel that I really, like I say, I wrestled with this the other night and I want to just begin to get into it today. And maybe, maybe you'll learn something, maybe we'll learn something together and get a better understanding of what the church has been teaching since the very beginning and i think that'll be a great help here in the united states well we have a shortage of goods and we have inflation and we have vaccine hesitancy and we have all kinds of things that make the news headlines each and every day but the latest the latest headline that is getting a lot of traction is the fact that there are all kinds of container ships sitting off the coast of the United States that are unable to unload their cargo. And there are a number of reasons for this. And I'm going to see if I can give you a few. Maybe you've heard of some of these. Maybe you haven't. But when you take them all together in totality, it's going to open up your understanding to, to what's going on. I'm very fortunate Earlier this year, back in February, I started working on this, this idea for a project to increase the ability of getting more shortwave frequencies. It required on my part as part of the deal to acquire some, some equipment. And I'd worked years ago for a, a transmitter manufacturer and I decided when I found out that there was an item from the company that I worked for, that I was familiar with, that I could purchase, even though made in America, it had been shipped overseas to the country of Brazil. And that particular company no longer had a need for it, and I certainly do. So we spent most of February and March trying to make sure that everything was correct and there, and it could be purchased, and it could be, It could be boxed up and shipped by, you know, a container boat. It doesn't come by air to get to the United States. Now, just so you know, we were working on getting this thing ready to be shipped in April. And it was all ready to go and everything examined and payment was made in May of this year. About the same time that we had made the deal to buy this equipment, a friend of mine sent me an article about the beginning of container shortages coming out of South America, particularly the country of Brazil. So to expect some delays in anything being shipped from Brazil to the United States. The goal was to have the item shipped and arriving sometime in the middle of June. Well, increasingly, that became overly optimistic, unrealistic. And by the time we got into the month of July, we're still waiting for a container for these items. There there are there are five crates that needed to go into this container with other things coming to the United States. And we're waiting And finally, the third time was the charm. There was a boat uh, leaving. It was called the Northern Magnum, and it was leaving Brazil and stopping in New York. And then it had a couple of other ports of call for picking up goods and then heading somewhere else. So in August, the item was put on the boat, and I kind of watched because I had the ability to look online to watch the progress progress. Of This particular ship It ended up in the port At New York and New Jersey The crates were unloaded They were put on a train And sent down to Miami, Florida And then I was very Very, very, very fortunate To get a trucking company To take it out in a box truck And deliver it to where we need Here in Florida We just got it A couple of weeks ago and I've been spending some time this week beginning to unpack everything to make sure that everything made it without too much damage, some minor damage, nothing nothing that can't be fixed easily. And it's gonna take some time to integrate this with what we have. But hopefully by the time we get later this month into November, well, we'll have some announcements to make. So keep that as a matter of prayer. What should have been here and this is the beginning of the shipping issues back in May. We finally got it at the end of August. Or no, yeah, end of September, you know, in September. Uh, we finally are now dealing with it uh, this week. Here we are in the middle of October. So I expected it in June. So we had July, August, September, three, about three months late. And, and I also remember about four months ago, this just comes to mind. Something that I happen to watch, I watch a tremendous amount of news, read a tremendous amount every day, trying to be prepared to give you a radio program that is accurate, that is newsworthy, and it's timely. And Kamala Harris was overseas in Asia. And she made some kind of a comment, I think it was in June, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember the exact month, but If you're looking for certain Christmas gifts, you need to start looking now just in case. She was putting a warning out there. They knew that they were going to have shipping issues and they failed to address it. And instead, the policies that they are working with today are making the problem even worse. Then you add some of the issues in the state of California, I can't believe that governor survived a recall unless two thirds of the population in that state have become thoroughly deluded to think that Newsom is a Gavin Newsom is a good governor. All of his policies and programs are even making the problem worse. And here's why. You may not know this, but there's a port near Los Angeles. Long Beach, 40% of all the incoming goods to the United States come through that port, 40%. Let me say that again if you didn't hear it. 40% of all the goods coming into the United States come through that one port. Well, because of all the coronavirus restrictions and shutdowns And DMVs, short-staffed, new requirements for those that, uh, they're making it impossible to be an independent truck driver in the state of California. Governor Newsom, in his wisdom before they're even invented, is saying he wants all tractor trailers owned by a California driver, operator, owner-operator, have got to be electric. How about putting sales on them? Maybe we can have sales on these big trucks going down the highway. Electric trucks. And I'm going to get into the technology on that in in just a minute to show you just how stupid an idea that is, which tells you the reprobate mind is completely thinking it's going to work. It can't fail. Remember, this is the state of California. California where brownouts and blackouts have become a way of life. And and Governor Newsom is saying that by, in not that many years, all the trucks that are owned and operated by those who are truck drivers in California have to be electric. So who would want to go out and buy a new truck? And trucks made after a certain date have got to meet other standards and they're just ridiculous standards So you've got a problem. People in California who are in the trucking industries do not want to buy new rigs. They don't want to keep the old ones, so they just don't want to do business there. Many are going to move out and not even mess with it. Then the hours of operation to pick things up puts you in the world's worst traffic with an 18-wheeler trying to pick up stuff at the port In Long Beach. And so what's happened is you have all these containers being stacked three stories high. The reason they can't unload, they have no place to put the cargo when they get it off the boat. Because they have nobody to pick it up. And then, of course, with the incredible vaccine mandates of this reprobate governor, who I cannot believe two-thirds of the people really think he's a good governor. I'm just I'm just stunned. I'm absolutely stunned. Maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe between San Francisco and Los Angeles and a couple of other locales like Silicon Valley, maybe the people there are that reprobate where their minds are that damaged, where they're given over to delusion, all of them, where they think that having shortages is a great thing. Maybe this is exactly what they want. I don't know. What do you think? And so we have all these ships sitting off the coast of California. They're anchored, waiting to get unloaded, losing money. And the Biden administration has made a bunch of, I think, fake and phony answers. Oh, we have a a task force, but nobody knows who they are. What task force? Identify them. Then you have, you know, Buttigieg, the, the former mayor of Indianapolis, whose only claim to fame is he is, well, a homosexual. That's that's his redeeming value, which is why you're supposed to elect me, because I, I'm the in thing. I'm queer. I have a rainbow flag. Vote for me. Oh, now I'm your transportation secretary with absolutely zero experience. Well, I take that back. He does like trains. But other than that, he has no experience in transportation, but that's where the Biden administration put him. And and somewhere out there, there is some kind of a a task force that's going to look into this problem and get it fixed. Well, here we are in the middle of October. And I don't think there's any way the supply chain is getting dinged in certain parts of the country. Now, I can say this much. I'm not seeing too many shortages of goods yet in Florida. And I wasn't seeing too much of a problem up in Georgia. But my friends in states like New York and California and Oregon are telling me otherwise that there are issues. And these issues will eventually have a ripple effect down the chain. Is this a planned crisis? I'm beginning to wonder, either we have the most incompetent team in Washington that ever has existed. Jimmy Carter's glad to be alive. He can rejoice now knowing he is no longer the worst president of the United States. It's got to mean something to him and Rosalind. Biden in the White House I don't think the man is capable any longer. Let's let's look at his career. And, and I, I try to avoid politics, and this has nothing to do with the party. This is strictly dealing with the individual. Here's a guy that lied about his college career, lied about everything he's ever done. His only real job besides working briefly in a law firm in Delaware, was he was on some kind of, I think, a city or county commission, then in his 20s, he ran at an opportune time for the United States Senate. And that's been his primary job up until 2008. From 19, he ran in 1972, took office in January of 1973, and all the way from 1973 until 2009. That's a lot of years being just the United States Senator from Delaware. And he did well for himself. Owns millions of dollars in real estate and homes. And I'm still having a hard time figuring, how do you do that on a government paycheck? Well, we can all speculate. There's a lot of information out there of how he made his money. And the various corporations he and his family have been involved with, including his son, Hunter. And if you've done any research, you know where I'm going with that. It's nice to know that his son became such an instant artist overnight. You know something? I got grandkids that do better artwork that's worth probably vastly more in terms of its integrity and its talent than what's being sold at $75,000 a piece he knocks them out every morning real quick with a a, you know, a straw. People that use cocaine are very used to using straws, so I guess he knows how to use one. And there it is, making all this money selling artwork. And we don't even know who's buying it. Well, you can guess. They're buying influence and they know it. So now we have this crisis In what's called the supply chain. And let me explain to you why it's a very critical kind of a crisis, because a lot of people don't understand it. Supply chain management used to be, especially back in the 70s and 80s, it was an art form. This is before we had the advanced computer systems and the internet and the tracking and the things that we have today to move goods. That's why even the shipment that I had coming from Brazil could be tracked where it was, when it was going to leave, when it was scheduled, why it was delayed. I mean, it was an it was easy to follow. That's called supply chain management. And and think about how this works. Let's just follow like one product, coffee from Brazil. They have their time of growing and harvest, and they only have so much time from the harvest to get it taken ready to be shipped and sent to the United States for everything that goes on, the roasting, the packing, and all of that. You can't wait too long or the coffee begins to go bad. How about other produce items that come out of Central and South America that come, well, they come through the supply chain, whether by truck, by rail, or by boat. Some things by by jet aircraft, but... But but most of our stuff comes, you know, on boat and train. Now we have a shortage of workers, a shortage of drivers. You realize you may not know this. You may not know this, but in the last year, we have lost over 25% of the drivers that used to drive trucks. Twenty-five percent. No, they didn't die of COVID. They just quit. They retired tired and, and people that would have gone into trucking were unable to. So, you know, people, it, it's a very hard life. And I've known people that have done it and did it for so many years, but it takes its toll. And And I think when the pandemic hit and people were saying, you know, I'm close to retirement age, I can cash out. And many did. And those that normally would come into the industry were unable to because, hey, the schools that taught how to drive a, a tractor trailer, they were closed for a year. DMVs, Department of Motor Vehicles, they're backed up for months. You could go start your training tomorrow somewhere, especially if you're trying to become a truck driver to take care of the issue in California. And okay, you finally get into a school and then a couple of months later, you, you complete your schooling. Now you're still waiting months to take your test, be certified, get your license. Then you have all the idiotic regulations of what kind of truck you can buy if you want to be independent. And face it, a lot of operators are independent. And we're going to begin to lose more and more of those operators, especially those that are in a state like California, that used to make their living going to the, the ports to pick up goods to take inland. It's been made vastly more difficult to even pick up the goods, to even become a truck driver. And then these silly mandates about, we have to get rid of the regular trucks and we, we absolutely must go electric. How are you going to charge a truck in the state of California. It's not like a little wall wart thing you plug in to charge your phone to charge a truck. I don't think anybody has a clue of just how much power it's going to take to charge an electric truck. Let me give you a, a few figures on that, and this, this kind of may, may help you a little bit. Let me preface this by saying that I am Definitely not anti-technology. People that know me know I'm the exact opposite. I love technology and the things you can do with it. But you can't force technology to meet your need just because you set an artificial date. Let me give you a quick example, because I work in the broadcast industry. Many years ago, back in the 1980s and 90s, I worked for a company full-time and then part-time for a number of years, building broadcast transmitters. Now, back in the 1980s, virtually all high-powered AM and FM transmitters were using tube technology. Solid state had not yet arrived. It started to in the 1990s, more and more, mostly for AM, then eventually it was more perfected for FM. It took decades to make it right before radio stations would invest the money on a piece of gear, Some of the early solid-state units, they failed miserably in a couple of years. So it took time and patience and trial and error to get that technology right for broadcast. Now, I know cars and trucks are a different kind of topic, but they they still use energy. And when you look at, for example, a big tractor-trailer, on a good day, they make it five or six miles per gallon on diesel. And they have to create a tremendous amount of energy to go up and down the highway. Now, I, I will grant you that in the trucking industry, only about half of the, of the fuel is actually in transportation. A lot of idling goes on where you wouldn't have that with electric. I get it. Putting electricity into a truck is doable, but is it practical 100% yet? Not quite. If you look at diesel fuel being like a $1.90 a gallon, you can see some savings with electricity, no doubt about it. You're gonna get a better mile per gallon uh, equivalent if you're looking at $1.99 for diesel fuel. But the amount of electricity it takes to charge one of these trucks is enormous. It's nothing you can just plug into an outlet at home and a few hours later drive away. It's not going to work that way. These take 40,000 kilowatts of electricity. And by the time you charge them up and they don't charge in minutes, it could take hours to charge. So it's going to create some problems for the guy that is traveling down the highway who can pull into one of those truck stops, and 20 minutes later, be filled up, get some coffee, and be back on the road. Suddenly, there may be hours waiting to charge the truck. That's going to be one of the issues. So you get less use of the truck because of waiting to charge. The savings in dollars and cents, well, here's going to be one of your biggest issues, are the batteries, You're looking at batteries that could literally be a hundred some odd thousand dollars for a battery that lasts maybe five years. Where are you going to dispose of that battery? Where is the electricity going to come to charge all of these trucks when you use this tremendous amount of electricity? California couldn't charge those trucks with the infrastructure they have right now. It's just not there. There's not enough solar panels and not enough windmills, not enough generators, period, to accommodate this massive increase on an already pushed power grid. That's the one thing nobody wants to talk about. They don't want to talk about the amount of electricity a truck is going to take. And so to have Governor Newsom say that by this particular date, in so many years, you have to go to an all-electric vehicle, you can't buy any new. So why would anybody want to buy a diesel vehicle today in California that he can't keep but for a handful of years? So we're creating our own problem. You need literally 1,200 kilowatts in battery power to go 600 miles. That's 1,200,000 watts of power. And even if technology can cut the cost per kilowatt by half, you're still looking at battery cost of $114,000 over five years, plus the cost of electricity. In other words, I believe in time... Like many other things, that seemed impossible when I, was a, when I was a youngster. The idea of a television wristwatch radio or TV, remember the Dick Tracy wristwatch TV? Seemed like an impossible dream. And with the technology we had in the 1960s, you better believe it was. But today, you can get an Apple Watch or you can get a, a, a watch to go with a Samsung or a phone all day long that has a tiny TV screen in it. But it took us 55 years to get there, almost 60 years to get to that technology. We're trying to push this electric technology. I know technology is moving faster than it was before. And I know the day is going to come when we can actually see this kind of technology, but we can probably build the truck, we can probably build the batteries, but disposal is going to be an issue of those batteries unless they can be repurposed or remanufactured. The raw materials and everything else that goes in it, there's still a negative carbon effect even with a, quote, zero emission truck. There's going to be emission somewhere in the process. And so it sounds wonderful to hear But is it ready for prime time quite yet? And then you're going to look at the sticker price of this truck compared to the standard one you can buy today. Of course, it'll be more expensive. Maybe in time it'll drop. But in the trucking industry, nope, I'm not going to buy a truck if I'm going to be in California. They have enough trouble getting stuff off the loading docks now. We have a labor shortage to boot. Vaccine mandates that'll make it even more difficult. And so we have done our best to create an unnecessary crisis. And rather than allow technology to do what it does best to work out the problem over time with a realistic alternative, what you're going to get is a disaster if you're not careful. The entire concept of supply chain management It is an art form. I can remember even working in manufacturing of building equipment back in the 80s and 90s to make sure we had enough inventory of the parts and the supplies, everything from uh, things to make things with, the metalwork, all the miscellaneous parts and supplies. We had to make sure we were not out of something because when you run out of something while you're building something, then you add delays and more cost. Today, with computers, it's a lot easier. But when, with all the computers in the world, it's not going to solve the problem of all the boats sitting off Long Beach, California today until the man-made problems that are messing up our supply chain are dealt with. Okay, there's the first half of the program. And when I get back on the other side, we are going to change direction, and I'm going to go back to my original question We're going to take a look at Scripture, and I'm going to share some thoughts. Uh, There are people that are in ministry, people that are well-known in churches. Some are neutral on the vaccine. Some are against it, and some have gone as far as saying this is absolutely the mark of the beast of Revelation 13. Let's have a discussion on that on the other side. By the way, I want to thank all of you that listen to this radio program. And I want to thank all of you that are currently supporting this program to pay for the airtime that we use on shortwave. There are a lot of places that don't see the value of shortwave, but I do. And it proves itself in the emails and the physical mail that I get each and every week. That the majority of you that listen to Truth to Ponder are listening to the program on shortwave radio. There are some listening on conventional AM radio and there's also a growing number that listen as a podcast. But for whatever reason, shortwave radio has been our primary outlet. And I'm gonna continue to believe in the power of shortwave radio because the internet can be, well, let's put it this way. We can become harder to find or certain places may not want to host this program. But on shortwave, it will be there. And if you believe in the work we're doing, would you consider helping us financially? Even the smallest gift makes an incredible difference each month. God has kept this program on the air, going now into its, what, 14th month, 15th month? We started back in August of last year. And you've been faithful enough to make sure that bill has been paid every month. And I I just can't thank you enough. I'm not a paid employee of Truth to Ponder, trust me. Um, I give of my time to do the research, sit in front of this microphone, uh, take care of the website, try to answer correspondence. By the way, with our travel, trying to answer letters is is not as easy (laughs) as it was. So if it's a long time and me getting back to you, it's not that I'm ignoring you. It's just with the schedule that I'm keeping, you can probably even hear it in my kind of weak voice today. Uh, we've been burning the candle at both ends for, oh, about a week and a half. But this program is important. And the project I'm working on is also important. And if you believe in the work, would you consider helping us? If you make a check made payable to Ancient Word Radio, that's Ancient Word Radio. We have a mailing address that'll be in use six months to a year, uh, at least six months, probably more like a year. And the address is, because of the travel, Truth to Ponder, and the address is 5753 Highway 85 North. That's 5753 Highway, you could abbreviate that H-W-Y, Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's 3248 in Crestview. One word, Crestview, Florida. Zip code is 32536. That's 32536. One more time, truth to ponder, 5753, Highway 85 North, number 3248, Crestview, Florida. 32536. Mail is beginning to come into that address. So once again, I can't begin to thank you enough for your support of this radio ministry.
1: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The Sanctuary Standard coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out I'm receiving a special free gift you're going to get in love in a moment. Now, in Israel, there's a house called the House of Caiaphas, the high Priest house. And if you go there, you can probably see ancient weights, measures, stones, standards of weights. These are the standards of the Bible. See, in Bible times, people used weights and measures to do everything to determine price and value. But the weights had to be the same or they would be of no use. And so they had to be geared to a standard. Well, the standard was called the temple standard or the sanctuary standard. So all the standards used in Israel at home, in, in the marketplace, at work, we're all geared to the sanctuary standard. So also in your life, you need a sanctuary standard. It's real important. You see, it works like this. You go to the sanctuary and you're in the sanctuary and believers are in the sanctuary. They're real spiritual, loving, praise the Lord. Hey, they love everybody. I love you, brother. So patient, so, so wonderful, so compassionate, so holy, so pure, worshiping all the time in the sanctuary. Then they go home, then they go to work and all of a sudden it's all out the window They go to their family. There's no more loving person. There's no more, all the patience gone out the window, no more worshipful, no more praising God all the time. Well, you know what? You have to live your life by the sanctuary standard. And that is the way you are in the sanctuary, you need to be at home too. If you're praising God in the sanctuary, you praise God at home. If you're loving to people in the sanctuary, you love the people at home. If you are a wonderful person and patient in the sanctuary, you be the same way at home in your workplace. You see, your standard must be standard. So listen, Get every part of your life in line with the sanctuary standard and your life will be a life of his holiness. Want more? Ask for the weights of the bag. Now, how often do you get something offered to you? Priceless, life-changing, wonderful, and free. Here goes right now. Sapphires. It's as precious as it sounds. Guaranteed to help give you a life of joy and a walk of victory. And the incredible, also, mystery of the temple doors. You'll love it. It's priceless and it's free. How do you get this all free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. It's 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to join me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient nation, Israel, and the unreached peoples on five continents with over a billion people. How? Just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll have a great part in the end time harvest. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct. Here's how. So write the nice Jewish boy, box 1111. In Lodi, L O D I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L O D I, New Jersey, 07644. Until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Get with the standard, my friend, in Messiah Adonolam, the Lord of all.
0: This is Truth To Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our Thursday edition of Truth To Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. In just a a moment, I'm gonna get into the topic that I started with a question at the beginning of the program about the mark of the beast and the vaccine. Is this vaccine the mark of the beast? Now, one quick thought before I move on to that topic. To give you an idea, I was talking about uh, the trucking industry and trying to go to electric vehicles for trucks. And I talked in terms of literally over a million watts of power. What is a million watts of power in your home? How many of you have got a thousand watt hairdryer? Sometimes in... Some bathrooms, you plug one in and turn it on, the lights dim. That thing takes some power. It would take 1,000, let me say that again, it would take 1,000 hair dryers to come up with around a million watts. That's a lot of hair dryers. Your house current could never handle it. Your electric range, when the thing is running heavily, hmm, about 5,000 watts, take 200 of those. 200 stoves. That's just one truck's charging requirements. So you can imagine what the power bill is. Just to give you an idea that uh, we'll get there. Technology will get there. But you can't force it just because you want it to happen. Now getting back to the topic at hand. A couple of nights ago, a friend of mine sent me a link. And he said, Bob, I know you don't have a whole lot of time to view a lot of videos, but would you please make the time to view this one? Where I'm staying for a couple of days a week as I'm working on this one project and I'm putting in long hours, today is one of those days. And so it gets late in the day when I put the program together. But I did take the time to watch this video. And this video was from a husband and wife couple And they were making a presentation of why they believe that this vaccine is the mark of the beast. And it was a very well produced video. A lot of what they had to say had a tremendous amount of merit. And I remember going to bed with my mind totally open saying, Lord, What do I do with this? How do I receive this video and how do I explain this to other people? Is it something that I should even be dealing with? And I think that the answer is absolutely yes. Can I do it all in this program, this segment? No. It's going to take several episodes to get through. But I want to just do some preliminaries of some of the things that came to mind in that restless night of sleep. Woke up two or three times, literally dreaming and thinking and concerned. What if this is the mark of the beast? What about those who took it with no idea or no clue? What's going to happen to them? And then I watched the video again one more time. And let me just kind of encapsulate a few of my initial thoughts. Number one, some of the pastors that they were quoting, I'm not going to name them. um, Some that I respect, some that I really don't respect because of some of the things they have said and done, the type of ministries they've had, the books they've written, things they're allowing to happen in their churches. Their credibility is, is already shot with me to begin with. I'm not going to say who they are, but there are some out there And they write their books and they have their big screen sets and they got their light show and they've got it all going for them. And, you know, they just kind of flippantly go, no, it's not the mark. Well, I don't take much of what they have to say. Some of them, Um, I I don't give them much uh, credence because of other things they've said. But some of those that were quoted, I'm not going to mention those either but they are pastors and theologians and people in the faith, been in the faith for years, highly respected. Uh, They're not obscenely rich. And they are less inclined to believe that this vaccine in and of itself is the mark of the beast, period. And some of those that are making the claim that this is not the mark of the beast are also saying, some of the ones I respect, they wouldn't touch it for many other reasons. Then they started giving a list of of ministers and pastors, some of which I know and I'm familiar with that are now making the claim that the vaccine absolutely is the the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast system is being rolled out in Australia. I'm gonna call it what it is, it is up until now I have not said it I've said it could be I'm now saying it it is the mark of the beast this is it now this is just one of many many examples you could find very easily for yourself I'm not picking on any particular individual in this this is repeated by many and it doesn't take long to do a search to find them out In looking at some of the claims made by many of these individuals that I'm familiar with, some of these are the same people that have made other predictions, other proclamations that ended up not being true. I can go back to 2015 with one, bringing on guests talking about you had until August to prepare 2015, or it was everlastingly too late, and letting that statement being be made totally unchallenged. Or, it's, or now really, we were wrong. Um, it, it really wasn't the end of the world or the beginning of the end. It's a bookend. It's the beginning of the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning. So many of these ministries, a lot of them out there, that are jumping on the bandwagon that this must be the mark of the beast, are doing so, many of them, not all, but many of them in what I consider an irresponsible manner. Now, listen to me carefully. I don't want to be misquoted where, well, Bob said it's not, or Bob said this. I'm just telling you that some of those that are making the claims have made other claims over the past five or 10 or more years which proved to be totally wrong. And so what makes this particular proclamation any different when from some of the sources? If you've listened to this program for any length of time, you know that I have a number of issues with this particular concept of a messenger RNA vaccine. And I wanted to take it initially from a very practical level. For just a moment, we'll put the theology aside for just a second. Here's some of the reasons that I have deep concerns. Number one, there is no long-term study on human beings of what this vaccine or this type of messenger RNA will do to the human race in the long run. We have no test. These vaccines were fast-tracked. The other issue I have, there is no lengthy animal testing or trials. We don't know what will happen. We do know that a vaccine supposedly works if the vaccine enters these little particles, enter one of your cells, and the cell then replicates and produces a similar spike protein to COVID-19 that it's supposed to have your body then produce antibodies to that particular spike protein. That is the simplest way to describe it. It gives your body the ability to make something that looks like the virus that your body then can build up antibodies to protect you. So what do we know so far in the field? We were told back in December come in for your Moderna or your Pfizer shot, and then come back, what, three, four weeks later, get your second dose, and then, bam, the antibodies will ramp up, and then you can go back to your life as normal. Well, that turned out not to be 100% true. In fact, I can remember back in the month of May, President Joe Biden stating, get vaccinated fully, Take off your face mask because you don't need it anymore. You can go back to your life as normal if you get your vaccine. Other countries around the world, one of the best examples out there is Israel. Israel and a couple of other countries, they've had similar results. They have like nearly 90% or better vaccination of the population, of those that can take it. And those that are in the hospital today in Israel, because they're ahead of the United States in terms of rolling out the vaccine and getting rapid compliance. You've got 90% of the people vaccinated and 90% of the people in the hospital with COVID that are fully vaccinated. What does that tell you? And as I'm beginning to look at some charts and graphs, it's obvious that there is a brief period of time that this vaccine may lower your risk of a really bad result, like dying or on a ventilator or in hospitalization, but those effects wear off. Here in the United States, we're talking about the third shot the booster shot, or for Johnson & Johnson, I guess, a second shot. And in Israel, where they're already doing the booster, they're talking about a fourth, maybe down the road a fifth, maybe a sixth shot. And for what result are they getting? When you compare Israel, which is highly vaccinated, to countries that are minimally vaccinated or didn't bother, the results today between the two are not that much different. So there's my first problem. Does this vaccine even do what it was claimed to do when it was rolled out last year? The answer is no, it does not. We also know and I had somebody share some material with me and I have a lot of great sources that I'm using and reading and studying every day that can dig underneath a headline or a little chart or graph like some hospital put out. We have so many people in our COVID ward, like 95% are unvaccinated and only 5% are. And those that are on the ventilator and the the whole nine yards. Then you dig underneath that, that statistic. And it's not exactly as it appears. If you were listening to this program a couple of months ago, I shared with you, I think about maybe five, six weeks ago, an audio clip from a Zoom conference of people involved with a particular hospital in North Carolina trying to figure a way to make the numbers look more scary to get people afraid so they'll run in and get the vaccination. And they were debating what things that they could get away with. They were very obvious in what they were trying to do. For example, here's what we now do know And from the sourcing that I'm getting it from, I am extremely confident, I mean extremely confident, that what I'm sharing with you is accurate. There are cases when somebody comes to the hospital complaining of let's say an appendicitis. Maybe they have a broken arm, a car accident. In many hospitals, not all, the first question you are asked, Are you vaccinated or not? If you say you are vaccinated, then they send you on to be treated for whatever it is you came in to be treated for. No PCR test because you're vaccinated and you're not showing COVID symptoms at all. But if you come in the hospital with a broken leg, an appendicitis or a bunch of other stuff, bacterial pneumonia, which has nothing to do with COVID, the first thing they do is give you a PCR test. Now, one of the things that has been troubling, and I've had a hard time following to make sure that my information is accurate, is what's called the cycle threshold. The inventor says a cycle threshold above 30 becomes thoroughly bogus and inaccurate and picks up all kinds of viral remnant that has nothing to do with COVID, but it'll alert you with a false positive. That's above 30. And we've seen routinely the cycle thresholds being changed. Matter of fact, one of the tests we're using now, you can't use after the end of this year. That's just what they're telling us. So here we are. In some cases, a cycle threshold, not of 32 or 35, which are bad enough. In some of the cases, they're running a cycle threshold of 40 on the unvaccinated. And so you may be moved to a corona ward because you tested positive, though you're there for a broken leg. They test you later and you test negative. Some of these hospitals, and you heard it if you listened on that Zoom call, can we still count those that had tested positive, though they're still in the hospital as being a COVID patient, even though they now test negative, to inflate the number, to make it more scary? So I I always take these numbers with a grain of salt because there is this desire within that system to push the mandated vaccine. We're still waiting for certain trials to be done. We don't know. Some of these trials go on through 2023. And when you ask the question, so what is going to be the long-term ratification? Why are we giving this or even suggesting giving this to young men, you know, young boys under the age of 15? where the odds of having a heart issue is vastly higher than ever coming down with COVID-19 or ever having issues with COVID-19. Why do you want to risk young men's hearts for a vaccine to make a teacher happy that the students are vaccinated and still wearing a face mask? So my first issue with the vaccine has to do with just the simple just a simple analysis there's a lot of money involved how much how many billions of new dollars in profits have these companies made it is obscenely high and so my first question is when i talk about the vaccine is it really needed some countries are proving that it isn't Why is there this passion to do this? Is there an ulterior motive? I think that there is an ulterior ulterior motive. You've got to remember that some of the people that are now saying this is the mark of the beast are the same ones that talked about UPC barcodes on products you buy in the store, RFID chips used in uh, the manufacturing process, not in people or anything that even smacks of any surveillance data, 5G and everything else. All of them have their negative and dangerous side effects. And what I try to do is just, you know, cut to the chase. I want to get deeper into this on tomorrow's program and then again Monday. And we're going to get more into what the Bible has to say As the Bible says, then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth and had two horns like a lamb but spoke like a dragon. It forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Let me just close with this one quick thought, real fast. Do you think God expects you to have a degree in theology to figure this out? Don't you think like I do that when it comes, it'll be so obvious that those that are doing it are doing it willingly and not by accident? If you believe in what we're doing here, our mailing address is Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248, Crestview, Florida, Three two 5, 3, 6. We'll come back tomorrow. We're going to pick this discussion up, and, and maybe I can set your mind at ease, but also give you the things to be concerned about. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth,
1: the number two, ponder.com.